Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is Ms. Mari Sukas from the African Christian Democratic Party, the ACDP, who serves as a member of parliament and sits on several portfolio committees. She joins us in our series covering perspectives from women across different political parties in South Africa. Welcome to the show. I must say thank you. Um, thank you for inviting me on. I'm really excited to have this discussion um, with you, Dr. Malka. And thank you to your listeners. It's a pleasure to have you on board and also to learn more about the ACDP in particular reference to, to women and its its various policies. Mm-hmm. So to start with, we've got several different political parties which are represented in our National Assembly and contribute to the country's multi-party democracy. You're a member of several portfolio committees, uh, specifically basic education as well as social development, and you're also an alternate member on the Portfolio Committee of Health. To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about the responsibilities that come with being an MP? I think one of the the, the biggest responsibilities, and I reflected a lot on it um, this week uh, as part of the, when I was part of the delegation that went to Uganda, the greatest responsibility we have is to serve South Africans, and that is across the board, regardless of which party they're from. Um, so as a member of parliament, um, I believe my biggest responsibility is towards the people of South Africa and to serve them. Um, secondly, to hold it to account, um, specifically in portfolio committees, that is one of the biggest um, roles that we play as committee members, is to hold um, the executive to account. And so within committees, the oversight role of parliament um, you know, is displayed. Uh, one of the responsibilities as well of uh, members of parliament um, is, and it is the most exciting for me, is the going back to our communities and ensuring that the legislation that, that has been passed um, in the last couple of years, that it is actually working and that departments are functional within communities. Um, and also to hear what are the issues that our communities are grappling with in, in terms of service delivery. Um, that's for me as a, a member of parliament is, is two of the key things. The one being to serve our people and the second to be um, visible on the ground to ensure that whatever is happening in parliament is actually you know, translated into the lives of ordinary South Africans and also at the same time to ensure that the voice of people on the ground and the issues that they're grappling with um, are being heard in parliament and within our different committees. So we've got two core components there. One, the innate view of being able to serve the public, but importantly, in terms of serving the public, that the public actually receives tangible deliverables. Absolutely. Within the portfolio committees that you serve in, what would you say are some of the key targets as as priorities that are, are going to be implemented um, I'm, I'm part of, as you said before, I'm, I'm sitting on social development. Um, and as most people know, more than almost half of our population are um, dependent on social grants. 
And one of the key things um, that the committee has, that it's uniform, uh, it's united uh, about, is the issue of service delivery, the, um, the insurance of our people being served on time and in time and having access to the different products or the different services that they can have to alleviate poverty. Um, that's in terms of social development is one of the key things for us. And um, the other key thing in social development now is to get the backlogs um, that is currently on the foster care grant um, being experienced in all of the provinces um, to get that, you know, off um, and get um, um, foster care grants to be processed um, before the 30th of November for that to be done and, and dusted. And all provinces have made um, commitments to the committee that they will do that because obviously that impacts directly on the most vulnerable people that are dependent on the foster care grants. Um, that is kin um, and as well people that you know are, are having foster children in their care. Those are the two key things I think in the, the next um, quarter that is very important for people um, to be aware of and that we are pushing in the committee. And from a, a basic education perspective? Safety in our schools and together with the, ed, uh, the um, comprehensive sexual education that has had such a huge, for us, uh, our constituency particularly, comprehensive sexual education um, for us, has, um, we have addressed within the committee and we have addressed with the department as well. So um, that, that is more from a curriculum change perspective because life orientation um, is being, you know, uh, it's being changed um, in terms of sexual education by the department and they're introducing comprehensive sexual education as of 2020. Um, it's one big issue for the ACDP, what that means, what it entails, um, you know, whether stakeholders have been, um, have been consulted widely enough and whether parents' rights are being honoured by um, the department and that we're not just adopting a UN um you know, a UN uh, uh, program willy-nilly onto South Africa, which the department has said they are not, but we are waiting for for them to show us that. Um, And also, it's not just ACDP, it is across parties. There's also been a call from um, the Portfolio Committee that uh, the department needs to go to communities and stakeholders, schools, to get uh, to consult further, because that is one of the concerns that the committee has highlighted. in terms of basic education, let me just go to the safety aspect of schools and as well as within the context of gender-based violence. That is one key issue that has been highlighted within the committee is the infrastructure within our schools to serve our learners and to keep our learners safe, as well as the um, relationship between the police, the, the linking of services between social development, um, the police, and the basic education department is critical for us to ensure the safety of our children, that's number one. And second, to ensure that we are holistically addressing the issues that are stopping kids from completing their studies. Um, and that can be, that's a myriad of things. It's things such as, um, you know, the social breakdown of families that they where people need, children need services and support. Um, and that's why that integration of services are so critical for us um, in the, within the committee to ensure that departments are actually linking and speaking to one another so that we address the things that, that affects our learners. And in consideration of the two portfolio committees that you, you serve on, social development and, and basic education as, as 
principal uh, portfolios, they really mm-hmm. go towards addressing our triple challenges of poverty, yeah. unemployment, and yeah. inequality. Mm-hmm. One of the other portfolios in a perhaps a, a slightly different context uh, is the multi-party women's caucus. Could you tell us what the role is of the multi-party women's caucus in terms of progressing women's agendas in South Africa? For instance, you mentioned from a school's point of view that gender-based violence is, is one of the concerns, mm. safety issues that is being addressed. Mm-hmm. The multi-party women's caucus uh, plays a vital role in unifying women around the issues that um, that our country faces, particularly when it comes to gender-based violence. You know, it's a unifying platform. Um, it, it serves as a place where women can also, as women, address the issues that face us as women. Um, so firstly, as looking at our nation and unifying around the core issues, because I believe women are vital to that. I, I believe that if you bring women together in one room, you would actually get a solution very fast. And within the Women's Caucus, it provides you that platform, you know, to address the um, the scourges that we're currently facing. That's one. And secondly, it provides also for us the opportunity to really advance the um, empowerment and um, the empowerment of women within the legislature, um, as well as outside, um, externally, looking at women's issues and how to advance things such as issues such as education, you know, such as the um, development of women um, um, in terms of the economy. It provides that platform and and it also provides support, you know, for parliamentary, for women within the legislature to form relationships and to become supportive of one another um, as we face the challenges, um, because political life is not a smooth ride. It is quite a um, challenging environment to find yourself in as a woman. Yes, and having 14 different parties represented, <laughs> it it must be um, very diverse and there must be a lot of uh, in- engagement and um, different passions and opinions flying in the rooms. You know what I found, which is um, what I drive, it's part of my values uh, as a person um, as well as my view uh, of the next five years for South Africa. What I found... Um, is that, you know, people relate to each other differently one-on-one than when we are within a parliament setting, because there it's, it's, you know, it's it's partisan. Um, What I found in the engagement within parliament is that, yes, it is very diverse. It is very different, though. It is rich. It is challenging. It is, um, but there is a camaraderie that comes with being a woman. And that's why I think women are vital to finding solutions because there is a, a willingness of engagement that you don't necessarily find when you're in, you know, in the plenary and all of parliament sits down. Within, a women's, within the women's caucus, there is more of a, a willingness of engagement and openness to engage. That's a very positive comment to, to hear. Yes. Turning towards your party for a moment, the According to the African Christian Democratic Party's website, the party stands for Christian democratic principles and Mm -hmm. aims to bring South Africa hope for a strong, healthy, prosperous and purpose-driven nation. 
Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about some of your policies in relation to women? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things, Dr. Malker, that I need to highlight for the ACBP is that we believe strong and healthy women, um, strong, healthy, empowered women is at the center of healthy communities. It's really at the center of it. And in everything we do, we seek to recognize and respect and enhance women and recognize the contribution, the huge contribution that women make to um, promote strong and stable families. And we believe that anything that, you know, is a threat to women is a threat to society. And I, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to look at the um, speech that I did in Parliament. For me, there was a very poignant moment Um I diverted from my speech and I walked, I presented just a a, a spontaneous speech, really, and walked off. But as I walked off, maybe people couldn't see that, I was met by the men in my party standing up. Um, It was a very emotional day. Um, I mean, that whole week we've had, um, you know, the murder of Jesse um, Hess, um, the just women that was just, uh, you know, Murders that just rocked uh, South Africa. Really. Yes. And for me to walk off that stage and see men like Wayne Three, um, our deputy president, our president, um, um, Dr. Kenneth Meshwe, um, and Steve Swart standing at the end of the line to just, you know, embrace me was for me such a poignant moment because men are central to, to advance, number one, women. Secondly, to ensure that women are being promoted. It is the men in our lives. And within the ACDP, that's the environment that we have as a culture. You know, there is a respectfulness towards women. And in everything that we do, and, you know, we have four members in Parliament at the moment, and I always say to people, I work in the most um, amazing environment. And that is central to the ACDP because of the Christian values, the recognition of women, recognizing the role that women play in building um, strong societies, and it under, it's underpinned in every policy that we um, that we have. Some parties have mandates in place where they've got quotas um, according to the, mm. the composition of women in different uh, mm. structures, whether it's management, mm. executive level. Do you mm-hmm. find that you utilize a quota system too? We don't. How can I put it? I think we don't push a quota system within the ACDP, but we promote women within the ACDP. So we don't have a particular number that we press for. But let me tell you, for instance, in the Western Cape, I was number 20 on the list. I was promoted by men in the party. I I was being, um, you know, that felt on merit that I should be the person that goes to parliament, as an example. And throughout our executive, we have women representation on our national executive um, committee, as well as within our PECs. So not not a quota system that we follow, but we do follow, uh, um, you know, a an approach of respect, mutual respect for any gender. That's number one. And secondly. But there is a, a, a definite focus on promoting women, which in this case with me is, is very clear. And given the, the promotion aspect of women in the party, how would you say that that's transformed the gender composition? I would say if you just talk about us as a party, um, 
like I said, there is a strong focus on, on promoting women just because of where we act as a country and the history that we come from in terms of women. Um, but, you know, we still have a long way to go in terms of um, promoting and capacitating women to fulfill the role when they do come into senior positions within party or within parliament to provide them with the tools and with the support that they need in order for them to fulfill that. So it's not just about driving the numbers. It's also about ensuring that when women are being, when women are chosen, that they're able to fulfill that and, and do it excellently so. Because if we don't do that, then we, we actually undermine the agenda of empowering women to deliver, um, you know. Of so, course. Um, yeah. yeah. I t- one of the things you, you spoke briefly when we, we started on, on the topic um, concerning women in, in the party and we spoke briefly about the horrendous, let's say, gender-based violence news that has yeah. really been highlighted from femicide, rape, to various protests of shutdown mm-hmm. Santon, Am I Next, the the, mm-hmm. the scenes outside Parliament which were incredibly powerful and really strong important awareness campaigns, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately should lead to action. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about the speech that you made? Um, the, the speech really came from a place of, of, it was as if there's a disconnect between what happens in the halls of parliament um, and what is happening on the street. And it is because, I think, because, you know, they, we function in this bubble where, you know, it's business as usual almost. The program is set and we need to go for it. But that day specifically was um, actually the debate on women. It was actually, that was actually the debate. And around me, um, as I was preparing to go up, it was amazing to me that you had women after women speaking. And yet, it was as if there was no recognition of the voices of women. And for me, it was... It was very profound because I think that is what women experience in our communities or when they enter police stations is that almost as if you're not heard, you know. And for me, when I was standing up there and going up to to speak, it was that. It was the noise level um, and women were speaking from the heart and they were speaking out of, um, you know, what is happening in the country. And I just spontaneously, you know, spoke off that for me. I felt as a nation we needed we need to pause. I felt we needed a pause. We need really a pause after eight years of um, you know corruption and our our very um, um, pillars of our that upholds this democracy being you know destroyed in terms of the number of money that goes out. That's number one. Then secondly, having the the month that was actually, it was like a full on war that was being highlighted. I think we, we were, you know, in, in South Africa, it was so easy to forget that actually there was violence being perpetrated against women every single day, every single second. And just because it was not so in your face, it wasn't as blatant, as, as horrendous as that week. It's almost that week for me was the shifting point for us to recognize that we in crisis here. And we need to pause. We need to pause and we need to give voice to the pain that is in our society, and we need to address it. Um, you know, every single layer of society, but it needs to be driven from the courthouse, and it needs to be driven from parliament, and it must be driven from the presidency. Um, so that was really the, the nature of my speech. 
And coming out of, of the events, I know there was an extraordinary joint sitting of, of Parliament which yeah. raised a five-point plan of prevention, strengthening yes. the criminal justice system, mm. enhancing legal and policy framework, ensuring mm. adequate care, support and healing for victims of, of violence and strengthening the economic power of women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned at, at the beginning of the conversation was about the ability to serve the South African populace and yes. importantly, being able to go back to communities and mm. see things in action. So yes. with this five point plan, do you think that we will start to be seeing more more tangible effects taking place with, with action happening? You know, my, my, Dr. Malka, when I listen to a speech, I always ask myself, how does the man in the street, what does it mean for him or for the woman in the street? What does that mean? So when I hear what the president said, it was a relief, I think, for many people because it was a relief because there was a, it's being addressed. But for me, there is a multi-layered approach that needs to take place that it is at a societal level that we need to link the different services that are available to people. So it is, it is very good for the president to put the finger or the, you know, to address the wound. But the treatment of that wound needs to be within our communities. It is from the moment that somebody is subjected to any kind of violence and she seeks intervention, whether it be how fast an ambulance comes or how fast, um, you know, there is a response from a community to, to assist her, to help her to get to a police station. That five points that the president has spoken about, it needs to be translated on the ground. It is the policeman that services the person at the police station that needs to be empowered and trained to deal with women as they come in and they are victimized. So for me, us saying it in Parliament, it needs to become a reality on the ground. And as South Africans, we need to make sure of that. And that is across all societies. That's why in my constituency, I have set out a program and I am meeting with every single faith-based organization. I am going to schools. I'm ensuring that I put an action plan together because we need to make sure that whatever was communicated there is actually going to happen on the ground. That, for me, is the crux of the matter. You can have a whole policy document. We see it in South Africa. We've got policies upon policies, great policies. It doesn't meet the man on the street if, they are, if there's no vehicle that translate and bring those services to them. For me, that is the key. Yep. And, and that's the implementation. That's where we'll see the action, and that's where we'll start to, to see yes. the change. Yes, yes, absolutely. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band, also available on DSTV channel 802. Today, we're talking to Member of Parliament, Ms. Mari Sukas from the African Christian Democratic Party. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ms. Sukas, staying with the parliamentary theme, I, I know that you spent some time in Uganda recently for the mm. Commonwealth Parliamentary Conference, which I believe was uh, addressed under a theme, uh, adaptation, engagement and evolution of parliaments in a yeah. rapidly changing Commonwealth. 
Could mm-hmm. you please share with us some of the insights that perhaps really relate to, to women that, that came out of that conference? Yes. The first part of the conference was the CWP, which is the Commonwealth Women's Parliament. Um, and we chose um, the chairperson. Um, it is the, um, from Pakistan. And, but what was really invigorating about it, I was invigorated. <laughs> I could fly. Um, is that it had a look back over 30 years of achievements and what is unfinished in terms of, of advancing women, um, in, in advancing the women agenda, specifically looking at gender equality. Um, and one of the key highlights of, out of it was that, um, you know, we have such a progressive push for women advancement, yet there is only 24% of women uh, um, representatives across the Commonwealth, right? 24%. And Gosh, that's make, less than a quarter. <laughs> yes. And we make half of the world's population. Um, so we have a long way to go. And part of the um, CWP's focus over the two days was looking at how, how do we advance and empower women within, le- within legislatures, you know, to make them successful. And they looked at mentoring and um, mentoring programs for parliamentarians, that's number one. And, uh, and secondly, really focusing on building capacity. So in terms of training of women and um, continuous studying of women to make them effective so that we push the numbers, yes, to get women in parliament, but secondly, making sure that they are effective in, in, in what they do as women in senior positions and then pushing for that to happen, you know, promoting the agenda. Uh, for women to take up senior positions within Parliament, it was really rich discussions. It was it was it was really um, very awesome. I met awesome women across the African continent. Um, yeah, uh, having that opportunity with meeting women from uh, different sectors of of the Commonwealth, and mm-hmm. looking at how we can address unfinished issues. Yes. Which countries would you say are are getting it right? Um, I I wish I, I had my notes in front of me because there are countries that really get it right. For instance, now um, in our own country, as you know, we've got um, our own Speaker of the House of, of Parliament, who is a woman. Um, and we have the National uh, Council of Provinces Chair, she's a woman. Um, and within Ghana, I think they had the highest percentage I'm under correction yet. Um, but South Africa certainly is doing very well in terms of um, our, we're not where we're supposed to be, but we are really among the top countries in terms of pushing women. Yeah, I think we're um, in the top 10, if I remember reading correctly. Yes, yes, that's right. We are among the top countries um, to push that. It was very interesting as well for me to see what um, is happening in places like Pakistan and India, um, that there is a strong push for, um, for women and, and powerful women really powerful women. I was um, listening to um, 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 a lecture by um, one of the ladies from Pakistan that really addressed the issue about being strategic, you know, in your role as a woman parliamentarian. And um, it served us, it served me very well to be in that forum. There is still a long way to go for us to get women into senior positions, but we're certainly further than where we started. Besides looking at mentor programs and developing and, and building capacity, 
What mm-hmm. else do you think we need to help women advance and, and start closing the gaps, whether it's from a political empowerment, economic participation, mm-hmm. etc.? Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, we need to make it easier for women to enter, you know, to participate in the economy. And I'm now looking at this disparity that exists within our communities. I work within my constituents and I'm bringing it down to ground level here. Um, if I look at the number of young women that goes to study further after they've completed their matric, it is, it's not a high number. And we need to do better with that. For me, the key to us empowering women is the access to education. And we need to level the ground for young girls to enter into tertiary education. Because without tertiary education, and I, I look at myself, um, but let me complete the thought to say, without tertiary education, it's very difficult to drive the women agenda because you need to get women to be able to participate. So from an educational perspective, we need to level the ground. And I think us women that have gone before and that have the opportunities, we need to really band together to make it happen. We need to support those organizations that, um, you know, that, that have that as an agenda. We need to contribute. We need to participate. We need to get more women like yourself to come into our communities, to speak to our young women so that they see what is possible. They need to see the possibilities. And secondly, economically, we really need to make it easier for women to access grants and funds that will assist them to participate in the economy and own their own businesses. Um, it shouldn't be so difficult, but it is in South Africa. It's extremely difficult for women to advance themselves economically. Well, we're also having to contend with other issues. So besides trying to you know, win and, and become a, a, a bread maker, we've also got aspects of, of culture, religion, tradition, mm. Which mm-hmm. form into this this mix of of tensions, which doesn't add to to making life easier. Yeah, I, you know, I think in, in my experience, I think women are really in a better place now, so, so in, in terms of the mindset that exists. There is a there is a greater. Um, openness and even celebration, you know, of the achievements of women. And I think that we've done well in the South African context to really celebrate the women that has achieved, you know, and has done well. Um, at, at the level where there is disparity, it's poverty that entrenches the, you know, the, the gender role, um, you know, that sees women as lesser. It's where we find ourselves vulnerable. That's why domestic violence and, you know, violence against women are are perpetrated in an environment of poverty, it is accelerated, you know, because there's an excursion of, of dominance um, that is based on vulnerability. Um, so I think, yes, sorry. Ms. Sukas, so we're coming towards the end of, of the conversation. There's many more things that I would love to have asked you, but now I want to reflect a little bit more from a personal point of view with, with yourself. One of the questions that I always ask my guests who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields is about the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of your key drivers? Books. Books. (laughs) Books. Absolutely. I've been an avid reader since I, I I didn't even start school yet and I could read. And books have been my best friend, um, and it opened the world to me beyond the farm that I lived in. 
on. Um, my mother is illiterate, but she, my, my steady supply of books was given to me by an aunt, and then it was followed up by teachers. And the key drivers in my life really was books and reading, one of the key drivers. And being surrounded by people that really believed in me, you know, um, and really gave me the opportunity to further myself. But one of the key people in my life is a woman from the Netherlands. She's now from the Netherlands, but she was in South Africa. She lives, she's a South African. And I would say that has been one of the greatest catalysts for my growth was working in an environment with a woman with a woman who really believed in the advancement of the individual in every single thing she she did, you know. Um, and for me, that was a catalyst. And I seek the same in everybody that I employ, whether it is in my business or that I engage with, whether it be in projects, to provide that same kind of environment to advance them because it has played such a big role in my life. Uh, Can you share an, an example? Um, an example that I use or an example that uh, was done to me? Whichever you'd like. Yeah. When I um, started working with Madeleine van der Steer for many years ago, she is um, now, of course, a professor at Leiden University. When I started working with her, I was a young woman that had a great desire for knowledge and just a strong drive for change, changing communities, because I came from a ministerial background. I was a pastor. And she provided me with the opportunity to come and work with her. And within a week, she found out I'm not a very good administrator. (laughs) 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 And she took me through a couple of tests and assessments and came back to me and she says, you know what? The bad news is I employed you in a job that you're definitely not going to thrive in. And the good news is that I think you need to find your, you know, you need to find your your, your niche. Um, just do what you love to do, you know. And she worked it out. And uh, for three years, she was my mentor. And I was, you know, she, and I was a mentee. It accelerated my learning in a way that you won't believe. Till today, the things that I, the leadership um, principles that I apply in my own life, is because of what I see, what was demonstrated to me, you know, an acceptance of who you are, number one. Secondly, to embrace your, not only your, not to um, look at your weaknesses, but to really celebrate your strengths and to never allow yourself to um, to assess yourself based on your weaknesses, but to really celebrate who you are and make sure that you whatever you do, you do it um, based on your strengths not on your weaknesses. It's the greatest lesson she, she taught me. Those are great drivers and come from a place that, that I see of, of, of as abundance, um, that you've got yes. a, a much fuller perspective. Yes. Yeah. Could you share some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? I think for me, the most, the, the person that played a vital role in my life is my mother, Really, she she's um, she, you know she was sold um, to to my father at the age of twelve. She was kidnapped from her house and she was sold at the age of twelve. And the woman that raised me was never a victim. She raised me with such a strong um, sense of responsibility. Your responsibility, firstly, to yourself, and then your responsibility to others. Secondly, she never allowed me to give up. Never. Um, you know, she believed that I can be better. 
we grew up on a farm and she would always say the same thing. She would say, you can be poor, you can, you, you don't need to be dirty. <laughs> she, she could say, you, you know, you um, can be poor, but you need to work hard. Um, she never allowed you to have a pity party. You know, you can never um, stay in bed and feel that, you know, I, I'm taking a day off. With my mother, there was no days off. It served me in my life, the um, whole ethic of hard work, you know. And um, I think if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have um, been able to capitalize the opportunities that was given to me. She sounds like someone with strong values and, and strong ethics. Now, finally, as we close our conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young ladies that are listening to us? I, I firstly want to say to young women, you truly live in the most beautiful of times. You live in a time where there's trailblazers that have gone before you um, and you are walking a path that is already set before you. And the one thing that I would like young women to remember is how precious you are, all of you, um, all of you. Every single thing about you as an individual is precious and is worthwhile. You are worthwhile. And that is the key lesson of advancement. Unless you see yourself as truly worthy of success, truly worthy of a life that is meaningful, you would never be able to embrace opportunities fully. And so my message to young women is, know this, you are worth it. Every single bit of you is worth it. doesn't matter where you come from. Thank you very much for that powerful message. It's been a pleasure having you on our show today. It's been a pleasure really to be, to have this discussion with you. I must say thank you, Dr. Malka. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Member of Parliament, Ms. Mari Sukas from the African Christian Democratic Party.